Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Temptations bring iconic Motown hits to MGM National Harbor Friday night on the edge of the nation's capital. I spoke with the late lead singer Dennis Edwards, who took over for David Ruffin in 1968, about the group's show at Howard Theater in 2016. Dennis, thanks so much. It's an honor. Thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me, man. You know, that theater is so important to me. You know, I remember... Back in the early days, I was I was I joined the contours, right? Right, right. And my very first venue, believe it or not, was opening up a show at at the Howard Theater for a group called The Temptations <laughs> <laughs> with the contours. So that was that's that was my first dip in the water, and I really enjoyed you know the city, uh, the, the 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 theater back then, and the, the little restaurant across the street. So a lot of history there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I know a lot of people know you from Temptations, but a lot probably forget you were with the Contours first. So you joined. I was with the Contours first. Yeah, you know, yeah. I joined the Contours, and it's so amazing. Uh, my very first jet road job was opening for the Temptations at the Howard Theater, <laughs> and I, some of the memories I remember. I remember I was singing, and I looked in the wings, and there was David Ruffin and Ada Kendricks watching me, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> this is really happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's really amazing uh, that that you know we're coming back to the Howard now, the refurbished Howard, and and you know it, it's it's sort of like a homecoming for me, man. You know that that is really cool. My yeah. very first job, I mean, with with the contours. Was at the Howard Theater opening for the Temptations. It's come full circle. <laughs> yes, you know, and I remember, you know, you know, those great traditional theaters. At something about them, you know, it, it, it makes the entertainer just perform better. I don't know what, whether it's the atmosphere of them, it's the way they build them back in them days. The theaters nowadays, they, they don't have that family feeling that they used to have. The new theaters. I, I tell you what, when when people are into you. It makes you better, man. It just makes you makes you make you say, "Well, look, I got to give it to." You. Well, Washington has always been a place. When you come there, you got to give. You got to come with it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, we appreciate that you bring it every time. Uh, what can we expect to hear if we come out? Is it, well, is it... you know, uh, I got a great group. You know, I, I you know got got. If, if you remember the Temptations like you did in the sixties and seventies, that's what you're gonna get. We, we're gonna do most of the hits. We can't do them all. It would take about four hours. Yeah. Got a little comedy, man. We have a little emotional stuff going on, and you know it's, it's gonna be a great Temptations show. It's gonna it's gonna take you back. You know, we we got hits, man. I don't even think none of us remembered that <laughs> uh, not, not when we were doing the songs, but they will still be prevalent today. Yeah. But I, I, we just did a television show, and I never forget. It, it, it's a show about the 
things that happen in the street with the policemen, you know, and the, and the yeah. young men. Yeah. And what they wanted to hear was ball of confusion. And as I'm singing the song, I'm like, wow, this song was done 40 years ago, and it's still prevalent today. It, re- you know, I was. It's funny you mentioned. I was thinking the same exact thing. Um, Barry Gordy came here to D.C. They brought that Motown the musical uh, to a, to National right, Theater. Right. And when that when the, when the Temptations get on stage and sing "Ball of Confusion," they're using that to comment on today. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and and, and it's it's uh, you know Norman Whitfield. God bless him. He's no longer with us. Mm. He was so far ahead, but we didn't even realize it. Like when we were doing the music, we were just trying to make good music. But you know, some of the lyrics, and you look at the listen to those songs, man. You know. You can you can take it to every inner city in the world. That's that's why I, I sort of say that there's no such thing as time or past or present. It's all interconnected, you know, man. Yeah, so, you know, and and you know, music has such a great part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you, you I, I remember we, we did a record called Runaway Child Running Wild, mm-hmm. and I remember back in the day, you know, the kids would run away from. I, I ran away one time until dinner time. <laughs> I came back when I got hungry. But I mean, all of those songs, man, you know, uh, you know, Ball of Confusion, Psychedelic Sack, all of those songs, you know, it's, it's Cloud Nine. It's, it's about things that are happening today. Definitely. That, but that's what makes it so timeless and so great. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a great show, man. You know, I, I got some great singers, man. I, 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 you know, you, you, if you miss this, you're going to miss something. We got two shows. And, you know, we're going we gonna to bring Washington back to the old days. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Speaking of the old days, take me back um, before Temptations, before even the Contours. You, you grew up in, in Birmingham, Alabama. I grew up in Birmingham. My father, he went to Detroit to get one of the factory jobs when, when they had a great industry. And the family came up behind him, and, and that's how I got to Detroit. I got a chance to, um, you know, hook up with Motown and yeah. I mean um, I mean the whole Detroit at the time was like a melting pot of all people from all different types. I know Eddie and Paul, they came they came they came to Cleveland first, then they got they came to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Otis them they came from Texacana. You know, it, Melvin was living there. He came from Mobile, Alabama. And of course there was singing everywhere. We didn't have a great outlet at that time, you know. We had the thing in, in the red light parties in the basement. I don't know if you remember those. Or not. <laughs> but everybody would come up in the different groups and sing. Sometimes they would give us five dollars. Wow, that's that's <laughs> and, so. Yeah, but you know what? We were just happy to to sing. But but what people don't know, there was no outlet. I mean, for per se, black music at that time. Right, right. You know, we had a great industry, but there wasn't a black industry. We had the Reese's and the Sam Cooks and the Nat King Coles, but the door wasn't quite open yet for black groups. And, of course, Barry Gordy came along with the dream he had. He, we made clean music. We, we dressed ourselves up. We, we got class about it. And, you know, we're bringing that same thing to the stage of, of 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 Howard, you know, yeah. we 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 learned how to not say full out of words, <laughs> to be classy, to to act like gentlemen, and of course, all of that. Some sometimes today it gets lost. <laughs> yeah, why do you think that is? Do you, do you sort of do you pine for the days where you know? Well, do you think it would I, ever come back? The reason is back in our day, we had a censorship uh, department. You you couldn't. They wouldn't play a, a record <laughs> with a full letter word. Right. You know, of course, when they did all the cuts, you know, they, they cut out a lot of good stuff. 
they said, well, that's okay. You can you can say four letter words on the radio. They always told us that if you said a four letter word on the radio, the kids would get it, and it, it wouldn't be good for the kids. Right. Well, you know, I, a lot of things have changed. You know, I'm not knocking these kids' music because they have some great music. They're probably making more money than we made because they <laughs> own their music. You know it. <laughs> They're smart. Yeah. You know, but but it's just I'm so glad they sort of cleaned up the music a little bit. They don't call the women the B word so much no more. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and, and you even with like yeah, what was it Bruno Mars and stuff they got the little of the class back they they right, dress right, up they got no class back you know <laughs> you know it's, it's like because you, you you look at groups like the Temptations OJ's and Gladys we're still working yeah and, and because we we work for all types of audiences we work for audiences that you can bring your whole family to definitely you know you can you can sit there with your grandkids your your mom and and everybody can enjoy a good show we don't come. You know, we don't come for nobody to fight. We come for you to go home and make love. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, tell me about tell me about the fireballs way back. The fireballs, you know, it was I, I was in the service. I, actually, when people talk about the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people tend to say they weren't they weren't crematoriums. I guarded a crematorium. You saw I was it. Stationed in Dakar, Germany. Wow. And I got a chance to look at the ovens most eerie thing in, 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 in my young life, you know, oh I was in God. service. Well, anyway, while we were there, uh, one of the gentlemen who was in the service with me, his um, father worked for Barry Gordy. And Barry used to send all of the latest Motown records over. Well, one record in particular I heard was a group called The Temptations. They were singing My Girl with a guy named David Ruffin. <laughs> and uh, it kind of gave me the itch. I could always sing a little bit. So I formed a little group. We, we used to go down to Munich, Germany, when we got off of duty, and there was no music. So one day I got up there at the piano, and I went up there and I started singing on the piano. He turned the mic on. I found a guitar player, found a drummer. <laughs> do you remember <laughs> what you, bass player. Do you remember what songs and, you sang? Uh, what songs did you sing? Do you remember? I was singing everything. That, I was singing my girl, anything that they would send us. They were sending us music from Motown. Right, right. And... But, but what we did, we, we I got I started entertaining the soldiers. Wow! Because we were over there, we would go to the bar and we would drink all night, and there was no music, and I started playing. And so finally, the owner of the club, he said, "Can you come back on the weekend?" <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first little job. And so when I got out of service, I, I started dinner set within the fireballs. Wow! And we played in a little club club in Detroit called Mall's Lounge, <laughs> and it was very successful. I, all the Motown actors to come in, and I remember one guy in particular who was really significant in getting me started, James Jameson, wow. the great bass player for Motown. He he is the guy that was responsible for me being in Motown. He set up an audition with Mr. Gordy, signed with, 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 with the company. They didn't have roster room for me, so they paid me a retainer for about a year, for doing nothing, you know, I'm a young kid. I said, "Wow, what's going on with this?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and sure enough, I got the call to sing with the Contours. One yeah. of the Contours that got sick. What Mr. Gordy did with me, he kept me as a substitute for anybody. Right, I see. And I I started, like I said, my very first stage show. I, I practiced with them for one week, <laughs> and I was on the stage at the Howard Theater 
opening up for a group called The Temptations. Isn't this ironic? <laughs> Definitely. That was my very first stage show. We all so, and we so all love the like, contours too. Do you love me? Watch me now. Do you love me? Uh, <laughs> you know, first I look at the purse. And <laughs> God, so many good ones. Wow, it was a lot of great ones. You know, and, and, but but it's so ironic. I'm I'm coming right back to the Howard again with my Temptation review. So I'm I'm just looking so forward to it, man. It's, it's going to be really great. Definitely. Before uh, I want to move into sort of uh, the Temptations days because we covered the contours in the early days. But before we move on, um, you mentioned I want to know more about uh, your your service in, in the military. When when did you enlist? Well, when, when did you, you know, enlist? I spent three years in the, in the army, and um, of course, uh, like I said, uh, it, it was so eerie, man. I got stationed there at the concentration camp in Dachau. Wow! And we got a chance to to look at the. Um, Medical facilities where they used to do do um, experiments on people, take uh. one person's arm off and one person's head. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just so gory. Behind the the, the the base was a concentration camp. So, do you remember? They was, still had the concentration camp there. Do you remember the name of the base you were stationed at? Uh, Dachau. It was. It was a, the, the name of the base was. Uh, uh, oh my God! It was in Dachau, Germany. It's I okay. know we were in SACOM. <laughs> Okay. Seventh Army. Okay. And what uh, what, what year did you enlist? That was in '59. Wow, man. That's a long time ago. Man. Yeah, you, but you, man, see, but I think this is cool, and our listeners are, especially being a news station, they're gonna love this backstory. Yeah, you know, and and, and you know, I, I hear a lot of people, you know, there never was a Holocaust. Man, I I went and I, I they gave me a tour of the ovens. They had a the, the first room was was like with with shower spigots where they would gas the people, right? Yeah. Then they would, they would take them over. They had three different size ovens oh my God. that you could pull. And then um, when when the people when they, when they would die, they would take them and they would take the gold out of their mouth. Right, right, yeah. It just, oh my it, God. It was just so eerie. So when people say that, you can say, "No, I saw it with my no, own I, eyes." No, I guarded the place. You know, yeah. it, it was so eerie, man. I'm telling you, it's just. And at nighttime, you know, sometimes we would have guard duty going around the crematorium. Um, nobody ever got around the backside because it was always a story. Don't go around the backside. <laughs> Man, seriously. Because it just was. It just. It, it. It was just. But but that I spent three years in that place. Wow. And, and well, you know. Thank you for your service. Huh? Thank you for your service. Well, you know, it, it kind of grows you up, though. Yeah. You know, I wish some of these kids today could go through some of the experiences. You know, of things like that, they can appreciate life a little better. Yeah, so so you come back here. Um, I come back home, and you do the fire fireballs. You do the contours, yep. and you're appreciating life. And so you're just rolling now. Um, and then you uh, you open for the Temptations at Howard Theater. How did you? Yep. Act, how, and so do you? Before before they asked you to join them, um, do you remember all of that? Because the the classic five, what they well, did. Well, they, you know, you know, me and me and David Ruffin actually became such good friends. You know, in fact, he was my idol. You know, <laughs> David was everybody's idol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, of course, we we he used to come out of the club where I worked, and and you know uh, the, the people loved the club where I worked because I used to draw a lot of pretty women. <laughs> <laughs> so you you get a lot of men when you got a lot of pretty women. Right, 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 exactly. And, and That's uh, just how it works. <laughs> it it kind of works that way. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know I, I, you know we became friends over the years. They all would come down, and you know I I never in in a thousand years. Even thought I would be singing with the Temptations. Yeah, I remember I got the call. Even when I got the call, I got the call from David. David <laughs> said, "I'm leaving," 
and they want you to replace me. And I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. So that's how it, it, it started. Oh, wow. Okay. So what year, you replaced him in what, like 68? In 1968. Okay. So before that, they had already rattled off a bunch. They had done Ain't Too Proud to Beg and Get Ready and all that to stuff. Me, they were the greatest group in the world without me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm telling you, I love the five of them, man. I'm going to tell you. Uh, people tell, ask me all the time, what about this? Look, I don't care about myself. <laughs> I enjoyed, I, I, I was so hurt when David told me he was leaving the group. Uh-huh. Because it's just like a, a well-worn machine, and you just don't want it to break up, but it breaks up. Yeah. Well, but I was also happy that I had the opportunity to to become a part of it. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the, it's a, that sort of old classic bittersweet thing. You hate to see him go, but it was a good opportunity for you. Right. It's a good opportunity for me. So take explain sort of how you you help bring the you know the group sort of in in a new direction because you know Motown started to evolve into psychedelic and funk and disco you know how, how did you you guys sort of uh evolve well as- you know what we we were we were sitting in the studio and of course David was some hard shoes to peel I don't <laughs> think there'll ever be another one you know right and and we, we were listening to songs you know and they they had to be real careful because and David was 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 almost like uh the temptations king at that time you know right. and to replace him was a difficult job. Sometimes when you place a guy like David, you lose the whole group. Right. Well, we were sitting around trying to figure out what kind of song to sing and what to put out so the public would like it because it's going to be a hell of a void with David gone. Well, I think Norman had listened that this group from San Francisco called Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, oh of course. And I never <laughs> forget it. What was so significant about him was that the Temptations, Otis, Eddie, Paul, Melvin, myself, everybody were lead singers. Right. But they never used, back in those days, it was a lead and it was background. Right. Well, Sly came out with Dance to the Music and had all the different leads on it. Next thing Norman came up with was Cloud Nine. <laughs> yep. And, of course, it was laughed at. They didn't want to release it. But guess what? It won the very first Grammy Award for Motown Records. <laughs> so there you go. And you know what's so significant? It had all, it, it featured all five of us, which which was, it kind of set a precedent for something new, you know? Right, it wasn't just background singers. It was everybody right. and, got and, it. And, and we were taking a hell of a chance because, you know, you got this great, great lead singer, man, and then here comes a group comes out with this sort of psycho soul music. Are they going to like it? It just so happens that the country was going through that type of period at the time. Exactly. And Norman hit it right on the head. Perfect. Awesome. So Cloud Nine was <laughs> they weren't expecting and it won a Grammy. We mentioned Ball of Confusion earlier. Take me Ball in, of Confusion. Yeah. And then take me into when Papa was a Rolling Stone. Papa <laughs> when Papa came out, well, we 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 heard the track, you know, and we thought it was like well, some nice music, but they're not going to play that. You know, at the time when jocks, you know, you know how jocks are, mm-hmm. they played three minutes. Mm-hmm. And and Papa was like six and a half minutes. <laughs> and and uh, I had another problem with it. Well, I come from a real religious background. My father was a minister. And, of course, my mom, she never did enjoy me singing with the Temptations because I was singing for the devil. Oh. <laughs> and um, then the lyric, it was the 3rd of September, that they I always remember that was the day that my daddy died. Oh. Well, believe it or not, 
My father died on the 3rd of October. And it was so close and so ironic. Yeah. Until it, it, in my household, man, it was like, wow. And of course, when I got to the part about Papa was a Rolling Stone, my mama's, your daddy wasn't on Rolling Stone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say, who are you singing about? <laughs> yeah, he was here all the time. He right. took care. So, so those two things got blown out of proportion. They heard about them. Of course, the public publicity people, they went to town with it. Yeah, oh but God, that's we, but we so could use this to sell the record. Right, right. The record but, eventually sold six million copies, and we won two Grammys with that, and it it became a national hit. It's, it's even to this day, people can. And when he died, everybody can do that. But um, but yeah, but even if it wasn't exactly your specific life story, so many other people could relate to that, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it was it was it was a, and you know what? You, you think about the late great Norman Whitfield. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. He he was so far ahead of his time, because if you listen to most of his songs, they had a little story, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they had a, at, at the time when we did them, they were a weird story then. Some of the stories now are really nice, good stories. <laughs> It's awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, I, I I know we don't want to we don't have to go through all the songs because we'd be here all day. But di- let's do maybe one more after. Uh, what else was? Take me into just my imagination. I love that song. Well, just my imagination was was a change. We we had, we had went went through the psychedelic thing, the Joneses, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, ball of confusions, and don't you know uh, uh, psychedelic shacks, and you know, and all of a sudden, of course, the trend changes. Norman, he said, look, why don't we sing a pretty ballad? We had one of the greatest tenor singers in the world in the group, Eddie Kendricks. So they came up with this beautiful, beautiful, just my imagination. Hmm. And it became a smash. And, of course, it was a launching pad for Eddie Kendricks. Although Eddie was there all the time. He was a background singer. Eddie was one of the most important people in the group. And, you know, he was there and... His voice came out, and it was so sweet and beautiful. That song became a beautiful hit. Of course, uh, during that time, Eddie was having a few problems with management and all, and he left the group right after that. Yeah. It's just a great song, though. Um, tell me, bring it, bring it sort of back around full circle. You know, um, you you mentioned your mom thought, thought you you know you grew up in a gospel religious household, and uh, she thought thought you were going to sing with the devil with the temptations. Did she ever come around on that? And and would she today look back and say, you know, if she were around, would she look back and say, you know, be proud of what you all accomplished? Well, you know, you know, my, I, I was raised in, in the Kojic uh, sanctified people, and of course. You you got to realize uh, those people you know they they serve the Lord they serve Him really 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 hard mm-hmm. you know and and I understand you know you know I, I was I was a young singer and I just wanted when you get opportunity to sing with a group called the Temptations <laughs> yeah you you have to say well look I'm still going to be a Christian but I'm going to go ahead and try to make this money <laughs> exactly you can do both you know you can do both and and you know. It, it worked out so funny. I always tell this story about my mom. My mom wouldn't even take money from me for a while, you know. She wow. they were so bitter in my household. And I never will forget, I, I, I brought $1,000 home one time, and mom said, I don't want that money. That's the devil's money. So I <laughs> left the money on the fireplace. <laughs> Believe it or not, around the 28th of the month, my mom called me one day. She said, she said Junior, she called me Junior. 
I hope the Lord don't mind if I take this thousand dollars and pay this rent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I don't, why do you think that it, what it was? Just being on the well, road, you know, or people aren't, aren't used to certain music that, yet. Yeah. You call them holy rollers. Yeah. They, they are. You know, like I, I have often said, my mom's in heaven now. If anybody made it there, she made it. Yeah, you right. Know, they, we had, we got people in in in, in, the, in this in this world that really served the Lord. Right. And I and I love them for it. Right. Because the day she brought me to church every night and took me to prayer meeting and Bible band and choir practice, those those are the days that are helping me now. Yeah, exactly. It's all you coming know, back. Those are yeah. days of helping me still be here in this world and get my life together. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those people, man, uh, they are so. And, and when they when you, when you, they look at you and tell you something, you know it's it's real because it's true. Right. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's that. It's cool that you still think about them all the time, and you know, and and you can appreciate how it's helping you now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, every, every time we I do a show, you know, we join hands and we just thank God, you know, because it, it's it's just a blessing that God has blessed us with a talent to do something that we like to do, and you get paid for it too. I mean, who can be more blessed than that? <laughs> well, we can because we get to watch you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Thanks so much for for coming. Um, is there any you know final thoughts? I think the no. Sh- just everybody needs to be there. It's going to be two great shows. You know, we're going to take you all the way back, and we're going to do some new stuff. We got some old stuff. I I got some great singers I'm bringing with me. We're going to be wearing them costumes. It's going to be shining. And- mm. It's just going to be a great evening. Dennis Edwards of The Temptations, thank you so much. Yeah, great. I'm the first radio station there. I'm listening to some of the stuff. Yeah, it, it's, well, it's an all-new station. Um, so well, that's great, man. You know, you know, that's what we need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I'm glad. I was listening to some of, some of the broadcasts and some of the subjects. And, you know, I, I'm, you know you, as, as you live long enough, you get real interested in a lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> yes. I so- mean, some, some things that need to be said are not being said, you know. That's what we try to do. It's a lot of politics. It's a lot of everything. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of good stuff there, man. <laughs> Edward sadly passed away two years later in 2018, just months before I spoke with founding member Otis Williams about The Temptations musical Ain't Too Proud at the Kennedy Center. Mr. Otis Williams of The Temptations, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, my pleasure. How you doing? Remind our listeners who uh, uh-huh. who's with you in the group now, because uh, obviously Dennis Edwards passed away just recently. Rest in peace. Yeah. And uh, who, who's who's performing with you? Well, uh, uh, two of the guys that's been with me for over twenty years, uh, Ron Tyson. Uh, he's been in the group for about uh, thirty, almost forty years. Uh, Terry Weeks has been with me for over twenty years, and then we have two new guys, uh, Larry Braggs and Willie uh, Willie Green. Uh, so they're the two new guys, and um, so they have been doing a marvelous job of help, helping to carry on the state of the Temptations. Awesome. Remind me how you met David Ruffin to begin with, and how you guys actually formed there back in the early Motown days. How did how did that actually come together? Well, I'll give you a very abbreviated <laughs> because to get into detail, it, it can be quite lengthy. But you know, we all David lived and I lived in the same neighborhood. He was a um, noted solo artist as well as my group was known for what we. Um, we're doing, and he just said one day after hearing about how good we're in and around Detroit, he wanted to join uh, the Temptations, which uh, I was happy that he could, and uh, uh, that's when David joined uh, Eddie Kendricks, Paul Williams, Melvin Franklin, and myself, and that's the origin of the classic Temptations. And, uh, you know, we were at the right place at the right time, you know, Detroit, Michigan, Motown starting, 
uh, back during the 60s, and uh, we were there with Mr. Gordy, and we recorded around, you know, eight or nine singles before we got the, uh, the way you do the things you do, which, uh, you know, set us off to becoming um, known for having hit after hit after hit. I love that one. You, you know, when when you can rhyme uh, candle and handle, you're good to go. Uh, how about uh, why do you? Yeah, think... that's what I said. That's what I told Smokey. <laughs> of course, you told Smokey. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think? Uh, why do you think my girl? Where, do, take me back to when you guys were actually recording that one. Did you have any idea it was going to blow up like that, or you know, just take me into into when you guys were actually recording that one? Well, when Smokey presented uh, my girl to us, you know, at first, you know, because Smokey is such a noted songwriter. And producer, you know, so you you don't turn down nothing that Smokey Robinson brings to you to sing. <laughs> and uh, so when he brought my girl to us, uh, at first we used to, okay, it's a great sounding song, you know, but I think the magic happened aside from when we put our voices on. Uh, when the strings and horns were added, uh, the great Paul Reiser added the strings and horns to my girl. And I went into the studio uh, in the control room, rather, uh, and Smokey was sitting at the console, and I said, man, I don't know how big a record this is going to become, but I really think it's going to be huge. And at the end of DC, December 1964, February 1965, we got a telegram from Mr. Gordy and the Beatles congratulating us about uh, having a number one record and sold over a million copies. And that was, uh, we were at the Apollo in February 1965. So we've been rolling even more so ever since then. <laughs> and My Girl is such a smooth, suave song. It, you know, it just takes its time, Stephen. Um, but then Ain't Too Proud to Beg just charges out of the gate. I know you want to leave. Like, how'd you yeah. guys, how'd you decide to, that we're going to go in that direction for that one and, and we're going to hit it hard right from the start of that song? Well, I have to give credit to the late, great Norman Whitfield. Norman and I used to, we grew up together in Detroit. You know, he used to be part of Popcorn Wild and the Mohawks, and my group was Otis Williams in the distance. So I knew he was a uh, uh, noted little tambourine player. So to know Norman from being a tambourine player to become a very noted uh, producer, you know, and he would come by my house and he said, Otis, li- listen to this, what you think? So when he brought Ain't Too Proud, the track to Ain't Too Proud to Big, uh, I was knocked out, you know, uh, because the track was so, uh, earthy and funky and what have you. And the funny part about Ain't Too Proud to Bake was uh, when David Ruffman, after we had put the background down, we said, all right, David, it's your turn to go down and put the lead on. And the key was a little bit high for David. But uh, so we were in the control room, you know, edging him on. Come on, Ruffin, you can do it, you can do it. And he was singing it, and we had to take it in, in uh, uh, spots, you know, places and what have you. And David, when he came out of the control room sweating and his glasses was all sideways, you know, it was something that I always remember and brought a lot of laughter to it. So we had some fun doing Ain't You Proud to Be. Well, we had some fun listening to it. Uh, one more question about of your guys' career. Um, uh, tell me, tell, explain how you guys evolved as you got into, you know, into the 70s with, and you brought in Dennis Edwards and, you know, Papa was a Rolling Stone and then even like Ball of Confusion, you guys are really, I mean, that still holds up today with some of the social commentary. So um, talk about how you guys were able to, you know, some staying power and evolve as a group rather than just the, you know, the old Motown sound that we love, but you were able to grow and change with the times. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, that is uh, uh, the wonderfulness of having five guys that can sing most anything. <laughs> Norman Whitfield knew that, as well as Smokey, you know, and, you know, like I've always told people, the one thing that's constant in life is change. And at that time, you know, with the political aspect of what was happening during the 60s and 70s, and here come Norman, 
uh, bringing us songs like Cloud Nine, Runaway Child, Ball of Confusion. Uh, and, in fact, even when we do Ball of Confusion, which we still do, uh, that song is over 40 years old, but it's so apropos to what's happening in the world today. So it was like uh, Norman and, and Barrett was, uh, you know, they could see into the future in the sense of lyrically, because I listened at the lyrics, I said, man, there's still craziness going on in the world. And that song was uh, uh number one record and over 40 years old. And it's you're always going to be timeless. Um, all right. Well, in, in closing, we the Kennedy Center has the Temptations musical, uh, Ain't Too Proud. Oh. They're T- uh, yeah, we had the cast in here yesterday interviewing them about the Kennedy Center show. Uh, you know the Young Bucks performing, you guys. Uh, but I wanted to know how involved you were with putting that show together, and if if you've seen it yet. Oh, I saw it up in Berkeley, and then uh, last night because I'm still here in D.C. and I, I was mesmerized because uh, uh, they uh, doing such a great job. I didn't have any hand in picking of them. Uh, I have to give credit to um, Tom Halsey, Ira Pittleman, and Dez uh, Mackinoff because they were the, the brain thrust behind, you know, uh, assembling everybody. But I sat down with the guys up in Berkeley, and I gave them the little nuances and the things that the temps were noted for. And uh, they came to my room at 7 in the evening. They didn't leave my room until 1 o'clock the next morning, sitting there, uh, asking me all kind of questions. What make the Timps do this? Why did y'all do this? How did you do this? So, and I, I told the one that's playing David Ruffin, I said, well, if you really want to capture close to David Ruffin, David was known for throwing the microphone up in there, turning around, dropping to his knees and grabbing it as it would come down. <laughs> the next time I saw uh, Ephraim, uh, he was doing just that. So, uh, they were clinging to every little thing that I could tell them about the, the classic Timps. That's great. What do you want people to take away when they come to the Kennedy Center and they see the musical? What do you want them to take away about your guys' career? Because obviously in shows, you got to have conflict. you got to, you know, the ups and downs. That's like any musical. But what do you want them to take away from The Temptations? Well, you know, I want them to take away from the thing that I was being interviewed earlier. That The guy said, oh, this, you know, when I saw the play last night, people will live vicariously through you guys, you know, because at the time that we were going through, a lot of people were growing up right along with us. He said, uh, he said, when I sat there and uh, saw the show, uh, it made me think back uh, about what I was doing and what was happening in the world. So I'd like for him to take uh, with them that, uh, you know, it's all relative, even though we are up on stage doing what we do. But we still have the same thing uh, of life like a lot of uh, people do. And I'd like for them to take that with like, wow, I can really relate to the Timps. Or uh, some of the things that they saw that we went through, uh, they were quite surprised. So that's the element of a, a good show when you can take away uh, with you uh, wonderful memories and wild, sad times. But then again, that's what life is all about. And uh, these guys are doing a wonderful job of portraying us. Otis Williams, thank you so much for taking the time. It was an honor. Well, thank you. My pleasure. I spoke with Williams again in 2020 when the group played the virtual Capital Fourth concert during the pandemic. Hey, Otis, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, my pleasure. The last surviving member of The Temptations, uh, because you'll be participating in the virtual Capital Fourth. How exactly did that work? Did you perform remotely at your house? or How what, what, did you do it? No, we did it at the studio here in uh, Burbank. And it was uh, kind of different, you know, because we're used to singing and performing in front of an audience. But, you know, you have to do what you have to do under the circumstances that we're uh, under. So uh, we pulled it off, but it was kind of different. But, uh, you know, show business is very flexible, and you have to be able to do that at times, and we were able to rise to the occasion. So how many of it, How many of, of you guys were there in the room there? 
Well, aside from the tents, then you know you had the technicians and the camera people and what have you. So it was closely uh, guarded uh, personnel. You know, it wasn't for a whole lot of people, but the makeup artists and uh, the guy, the, the director, and you know the general norm of things as far as when you do a TV show. Right. Yeah. I mean, as socially distanced as possible, but you got to have the you got to have the performers in there. So, well, that's cool that you, that you, that you did that. Um, what can you give us a um, a little teaser of what you guys uh, performed? What, what what will be seen? Sure, sure. Well, we did like a three song medley. We did uh, Get Ready, and out of Get Ready, we uh, went into Ain't Too Proud, and then from Ain't Too Proud, we closed out with My Girl. You know, so it was a tight six minute plus uh, medley. Uh, the one thing that's constant in life is change, and being able to adapt to change is a wonderful thing. That's great. Now, I think I saw that um, in addition to these newly recorded performances, they're also going to show highlights from previous years. Um, do you do you have any fond memories of performing previous years? You know, when we have been around, you know, you've been around like we have for 60 years, there are a lot of wonderful memories uh, that I, you know, think back on. And uh, I've had such an illustrious career that uh, the many times that we were on Ed Sullivan, uh, the time that we got our style in Hollywood, uh, uh, I mean, the the list is endless. I walk around in my house and look at all the accolades that I have uh, achieved that I am just as amazed uh, as a fan that didn't know. You know, so I've had a wonderful career. Being part of the legendary Motown Records, you know, and uh, making history and to a certain extent changing history music-wise and even uh, as far as everyday uh, life is concerned, you know. So, I, I, you know, I'm just as amazed at what the temptations have been able to achieve and uh, bridge gaps, you know. I never will forget we were over in uh, World Tour in 75 and I ran across uh, three soldiers when the Vietnam War had just ended and uh, they were telling me what Motown's music meant to them and as they were telling me this, they were standing there crying you know, which brought me to tears to let me know that music is such an impactful force that uh, we were able to even uh, touch our soldiers as having their lives on the line. But they would come back to the camp, and the first thing they would ask, we want to hear the Temptations, we want to hear Motown, you know. So to be a part of something uh, that glorious is wonderful. That's awesome. Uh, can you remind our listeners how, how you guys actually all got together there? You mean, you mentioned Motown, but, you know, how, how you met Barry Gordon and, you know, David Ruffin and, and how that whole thing came together. Wow, well, I'll try and convince you because it's a lot <laughs> I know. It, it came about. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, to start off with how I met Mr. Gordy was uh, my group at the time was Otis Williams in the distance. And we had a little regional hit called Come On. And uh, so Mr. Gordy came in to St. Stephen's Community Center with Smoke and the Miracles. And after we finally, after the crowd finally let us, come off the stage, uh, Mr. Gordy, I'm standing there watching the miracles. I'm saying, right, that's Smokey and the Miracles. And uh, when I uh, had them standing there, Mr. Gordy said, uh, I like your, your group, uh, the record that you have. Uh, uh, if you should leave where you are, come see me. I'm starting my label. And that was 1960-61. And as fate would happen, we left the label that we were with, and I called Mr. Gordy, and uh, I told him we were avail- available, and he asked me to uh, call Mickey Stevens, who was in charge of A&R. And at the time, the lineup uh, consisted of Eddie, uh, Eddie Kendricks, Paul Williams, Al Bryant, Melvin Franklin, and myself. So this was pre-David Ruffin. And then four years later, David Ruffin joined the group, and uh, we were off and running. Yeah, I mean, what a run you guys had, too. And talk about um, 
how you guys – I mean, you guys were able to keep evolving over the years. So, you know, you, you had David Ruffin there in the beginning, but then talk about how you were able to then transition, you know, in, into the 70s with, with Dennis Edwards joining and, you know, it, it evolved for a new, new era. Well, Dennis joined the group in 1968, and at the time that was uh, uh, when Psychedelic Soul was starting uh, to become, uh, you know, very famous and popular. And uh, the times where we were in New York City, and at the time I was talking to my good friend Kenny Gamble of Gamble and Huff, and as him and I were talking, we heard uh, Sly and the Family Stone with a different sound and approach, and we were impressed. With that, so as uh, the Timps flew back to Detroit, and Norman Whitfield, who was our producer at the time, I said, Norman, there's a new sound that's coming about. Maybe we should try that. And uh, so Norman went into the studio and recorded Cloud Nine. And that was, like I said, 1968. And then Cloud Nine, you know, was a slow start because uh, our fans had gotten uh, so used to hearing us do the My Girl since I lost my babies and what have you. But, uh, Cloud Nine, uh, you know, kicked off, and uh, next thing you know, it sold over a million copies, and we were the first act for Motown to win a Grammy. So uh, that's how that came about. That's great. And um, you mentioned a few seconds ago about how your music helped, you know, bring people together, the, the troops and everything. And even back home, people of all different colors and creeds, you know, could could rally around the fact that they love the Temptations in Motown. Um, talk about, in light of, you know, today with, you know, there's been the Black Lives Matter protests and so many divisions and stuff, but talk about how with Ball of Confusion and, you know, it's it's that ball keeps rolling on, but you guys were talking about it even back then. Yeah, well, music can be such a great ornament, you know, to, uh, to the soul and for the soul, you know. Uh, uh, that's the wonderful thing about music. It can bring people together. We can escape when we are in uh, some kind of uh, turmoil or what have you. Music is a soul-satisfying uh, medicine, and I'm so glad that we have been able to administer that through the efforts of music, you know, and it's a powerful force, you know, and I often wonder, boy, what would this world be like without music? Because I've seen it bridge gaps. I've seen it bring people together. I've seen it bring people, move people to tears and what have you. So it's got a lot of wonderful attributes to it, and uh, it's a powerful force. It should never be taken for granted. You know, so I am so thankful and blessed that I am part of something that has become so renowned worldwide, not just here in America, but we've gone to different parts of the country and we've seen them, you know, rejoice. And we went behind uh, shortly after the Iron Curtain came out. We were in Gdansk, Poland. And as we were saying, my grandpapa was Rolling Stone. And here we had a country that spoke a whole other language, but they were singing our songs in English, you know, and I was amazed at that. So. It's just wonderful to be part of something that is so strong and, and caring. Yep, and uh, just sort of uh, just bringing it back full circle to Capital Force, you know, are that it's that same vibe, you know. Are you you're hoping that that a show like you know a, a big you know nationally televised concert like Capital Force, uh, they're still doing the fireworks, you know, for in person. If people are quarantined, looking up at the sky, they can still see it. But I'll talk about how you hope the show can bring people together at a, at a, a tough time. I feel like we've had a double whammy with, you know, there's the racial unrest for sure with George Floyd, but then we have coronavirus, so it's like a double gut punch. People are dealing, and then the economy too. People are dealing with a lot. We got a, a divisive election coming up. Why is this the moment for people to set back and come together for the Independence Day? Well, you know, it's like a, a, a heck of a, a combination punch by a heavyweight uh, boxer and. Uh, you know, we need to really uh, try and stay focused. We know what we got to do as a country. 
you know, because we're going through a big turmoil of uh, things that's happening to this country of ours. But I hope that through the efforts of what we do can be like a soothing arm into a troubled soul, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate that we're going through this, but I'm a believer that we will come through it. We just got to galvanize as a people and as a country and, and to get through it. And, you know, in life you're going to be tested. And I think this is one of the tests to see how great we are as a nation to really come out of this. And uh, I'm staying uh, optimistically, you know, hopeful that we will get through it. And uh, I'm just glad that through what the Timps are known for, fires music and for what we do, we can uh, add another, you know, uh, big plus to uh, – a troubled soul and let us get through this and enjoy ourselves as much as we can when we can. Awesome. Well, that's the perfect place to leave it. Hey, thanks so much, Otis. Otis Williams of The Temptations. Thank you much, sir. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.